Hi and welcome to what is a little bit of a party in this crisis. As we record we've just hit our thousandth follower in under a month which I hope proves we're doing a little bit of something that people like in a otherwise quite distressing time. Of course it goes without saying that we're not happy the world is in a place where we can do the project at all but that's all we're going to say on that. Today I'm joined by fellow Covid Street founders Tanya Nagar. Hi everyone. And Tom Cabots. Hi everyone from Croydon and Antwerp respectively. Uh, but we're also joined by one of the photographers who's joined us. Now, it, it wasn't me who found him, it was Tanya, so I'm gonna allow her to introduce him. Awesome, thanks Adam. And uh, welcome Jacopo. Really, <laughs> really pleased to have you with us. So this, this all came about because I was browsing Instagram as you do. Obviously we have a lot more time than we ever had before looking at you know looking specifically for photographers that were documenting what's going on in their areas and this was at the start of the project that we that we obviously um started up and i found a couple of images um and, and was really compelled by them because it was very clear that this particular photographer was in one area only and just shooting from confinement essentially so for those of you that aren't aware Italy has been in complete lockdown so unlike a lot of the other regions around the world I think Italy was one of the first to, to go into complete and utter um, lockdown so I found it really fascinating that these images were from one spot essentially but covering so much so I then approached Jacopo and said that we've got this project um, you know it's about bringing together people from across the world sharing images of local communities would you like to be involved and he said yep sure sounds great um and the rest is history so uh so Jacopo I'm going to pass over to you to maybe add a bit more more color into that I mean that that was my recollection anyway I approached you you were super keen and you sent us some amazing photos and I know you've been shooting consistently in fact you were just shooting before you came on came on this podcast as well yeah, of course. Actually, I'm I'm that kind of photographer that live in symbiosis with with the camera. I always bring my camera with me, and so it's just natural. I don't know something is going on, and I'm trying to to take pictures of it. And actually, I'm trying to to make a living with it because at now in Italy, especially in Italy, I think. Uh, it's quite hard to work, so it's my only income right now. But of course, it's my it's it's kind of hobby. So, um, how did you get into photography in the first place? I don't know. I have started when I was just a child, and then I grew up, and I I I grew up in um in a small village in the middle of Italy, in a wood actually. And I started with photography, with film. I, I still have a, a, a dark room. And I don't know, when I moved to Rome to study and work and everything, I just realized that it was actually a job and you can make a living with it. I, I worked for companies, enterprises, commercials, advertisings shit like this but uh, I really would like to make a living with, with my daily life that's what I, I really I really care about do you consider yourself as a street photographer I consider myself as a storyteller 
because uh, there are a lot of street photographers that they, they want just take uh, cool shots, okay? I think street photography now is a word uh, that you can connect to a, a very huge word, okay? And I think that uh, we must focus more on the stories rather than the pictures. Okay. So speaking of stories, for us here, Italy was sort of the first Western country where COVID and COVID-19 was sort of happening in large scale. We could really, um, you know, when it was happening in China, I think we thought that maybe it was under control or, you know, it was on the news, but it was a long way away and we connected it with SARS. But when it started happening in Italy, it seemed very different, very close. What was the experience like being in Italy when you're sort of the first country really to be affected that way? At first, we were all very confused because just in, in a couple of days, the prime minister uh, told us to just stay at home. And in a couple of weeks, we started this lockdown. Today is day 42. And now we, we, we can't get, go out, actually. Uh, it's quite impossible. You have to, you need a reason Okay, if you go to the supermarket, it's okay. But if you just want to walk, uh, this is impossible. This is actually impossible. If cops stop stops you, they you you should pay a fine, or they can just take you and put you in jail. So it's quite impossible. I'm actually uh, stuck stuck here because I can I can't go back in my village. I went here for a shooting and then the same night the, the Prime Minister told us that we are in lockdown. Oh, you didn't get any warning? No. So they just shut it no. down from one minute after another? Yes, oh, yes. Even if in the northern part of Italy people uh, were actually, they know that, they, they knew that. Uh, but here in the middle, in the center, in Rome, nobody expected that. I guess it's a more sensible way of doing it. In this country, we had uh, we had a few more weeks to to look at it, and a lot of people took the opportunity <laughs> yes. to travel to their favorite place and maybe take the virus with them. <laughs> That's great. Here it was. Even, here it was even more different because they told us uh, we're going to close everything down tomorrow at midnight, so everyone went out the day after and like went to bars and had parties and whatever and then until it was like 12 a.m. sat on the Saturday morning until the lockdown was actually started it was kind of ridiculous yeah I think that's that's the, the point of not giving much warning because that's exactly yeah. what happened in London yeah. as well everyone just went out to celebrate before yeah. before the lockdown yeah, yeah. so doing like the opposite one last what hurrah. <laughs> what's um what I found really compelling about Jacopo's stuff just going back to the storytelling side of things is Obviously, on Instagram, you've got the stories uh, functionality, which some people use really well. Some people use, some people actually never use it. What I found with with you, Jacopo, is your stories are almost like a series. Um, they, they do tell a story. And I, I was thinking about this this morning. It's almost like a, a Netflix series where you're looking forward to the next episode. And you've got this, this brilliant um, thing that you do where you zoom in on certain areas around you. And one of those, that I thought it'd be great for you to tell us about this, one of those is about 
a drug dealer. So you've got this guy <laughs> yes. that comes to the same spot every day. I don't know how you worked out he's a drug dealer. Obviously, you've been monitoring him since, I don't know, for, for weeks now. Um, but he's Perhaps he's a loyal customer. Maybe you're a loyal customer. <laughs> I don't know. You might want to share, share that. <laughs> um, but what was interesting is it's almost like you're looking out for those characters and they're part of your daily life now. And they've actually become part of many people's daily lives around the world. Because I'm definitely sort of familiar with this guy, what he looks like, what he's doing, the area that he's in, the very spot that he's in. So, you know, tell us a bit about that. You know, how, how did that all come about? How did you get to know all these different characters? And do you feel kind of bonded with them in some way? Well, this is a, a very hard question. I don't know. Um, Actually, I produce a lot of videos with my mobile, okay? And I just share those videos. So um, I feel, of course, I feel bonded with every, everybody. And um, I know him, I know he is a drug dealer because he was talking with a couple of drug dealers I know from a district not far from here. I spend most of my time working on the street. So I, I talk with a lot of people and I, I don't know why, maybe because my face looks quite... Um, like migrant or weird or I don't know people just trust me and I can ask uh, I can ask anything so I know him is he's a drug dealer uh, and I I saw him selling and I have a lot of photos and videos and that's it now I'm I'm just facing a psycho on, on the building in front of mine who's shooting birds with a rifle and I already know about all about him because I just asked it to people here the the workers here in the gas station told me he he's locked in his house uh, he, and he's just crazy he he's using an air rifle uh, you know an, an it's legal yeah air rifle. okay uh, it's actually legal but it could kill a person or uh, a bird i guess you must be very it. thankful you don't live in the states you can have <laughs> yes <laughs> yes <laughs> so wow. this is That's it a, i guess things start to happen to you after 40 days in a room especially <laughs> sat there looking at a gun yeah so um you've been shooting for quite a long time before this started your, your photographs you sell online mm -hmm. in as prints and books um, uh -huh, okay. and that you have a blog people can follow um, we're going to put the link mm -hmm. to the blog in the show notes um, is is that working well for you not enough <laughs> not, not enough. enough not enough I have to work for companies as well because you know it's it's um, you all know that it's a very expensive job so you need a lot of money okay <laughs> and it's not enough I'm just selling some books just to survive to put to put gasoline in my car and one day I will come back in my village and I will start again yeah day-to-day uh, -day thing isn't it it's, it's cruel because they always expect you to have all of the gear um, and they never accept that gears cost real money. So when you say you work for companies, you mean not just as a photographer, you mean you have uh, other work? No, just as a photographer. 
But that's not so bad, is it? I mean, there's nothing wrong with a bit of commercial work. Yeah, it works. Especially now, because I'm, uh, I have some skills in social media and marketing and things like this. And companies are very, you, you look sexy to companies. If you, if you talk about marketing and you're a photographer, they, they trust you. Uh, you can also ask more than others. Okay, and, and and how's that going now during the crisis? No, now I'm not working. Uh, now it's all I don't know. I've received a, a couple of proposals which are very interesting uh, because I think now the the business will move online definitely. Okay, now companies. They, they know that uh, they need a website, okay, yeah. <laughs> in 2020. So I think there will be a lot of, a lot of work to do. What kind of, uh, what kind of gear do you use, Jacobo? It depends on what, what I have to do. Uh, I use a Reflex One. If I have to snitch the, the shooter, for example, <laughs> I'm using this camera. <laughs> which is always ready <laughs> and or I use this camera which is a Fuji 100S and those are great for street I, photography by the way because they're so small mm, and compact you can bring them everywhere yeah, yeah. but I also use some film cameras like a Canon 28 or Pentax it depends I'm not Mm, I'm not really into it. Uh, You're into not brand loyal. Brands, no, no, I don't care. And if I have to do something big, like Hasselblad or things like this, I just I rent. Well, wait, that's more fun, isn't it? Renting, you know, the cameras, getting to experience the things without having to go through the uh, unpleasantness of actually buying them. Uh, since I moved to London, I don't have a car anymore. We just rent them when we need them, and it's more fun because you get to try different ones. <laughs> Yeah, every time I buy a new a new piece of gear, I'm always like really happy and really sad at the same time because my bank account is drained, but I do have a new toy. So <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. It's actually the, uh, it's actually a funny funny comparison because uh, if if you look at Tanya, she's really into uh, into film photography because you shoot most of your stuff on 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 film, right? Film, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I mean, that's that's my passion, film photography. The only problem at the moment is obviously I don't have a dark room and I actually can't even remember how to uh, process my own film. Now, of course, I do have time to do that now, but it's not it's not jumping out as me. It's something I actually want to learn right now. And it's, it's actually a shame. I don't know online if you can send your film away and actually get get it back. Um, I don't know if those companies are actually doing any any, any kind of oh, processing yeah, no, right I think now. I mean... From their point of view, it's it's quite a solitary thing once the film arrives, and there are definitely a few places that are doing it. That's a good point, then. No. I, it's something that I should probably pick up again, but I haven't done it for a while now. Um, but but that is, yeah, that's that's what I love to do, and I think there's something about film that's very authentic and very. Um, it, it gives a different different feel to the almost different layers to the images that you produce compared to digital. I mean, that's just my view. I'm not an elitist. I'm not, you know, all film, no digital at all. But 
there is something about film that's that's quite different. I don't know, Jacopo, if you've got a different view on that, but certainly for me, film just has a an authenticity about it that digital can't quite uh, can't quite capture. I prefer film photography for my memories. I mean, if I go a couple of days uh, camping with my friends, uh, I rather prefer a film film camera because I want to I want to take less photos. Okay, but um, it's about memory. I don't know how to explain that. But of course, obviously, I I also take pictures. Film picture, film photos on streets, but um, I I don't like it. Maybe because it's um, uh, I don't know why. Digital photography is easier. But I really love when you're when like when you're like on a holiday or like you said with you with like for personal memories or whatever. I really like shooting with like little disposable cameras because they're like so small and they're so compact and it's just like click and shoot kind of kind of deal and it's literally it's just what you see is what you get i love that about about disposable cameras i quite like the fact that nobody can sit around and go oh can we see that one? Oh, can we see that one so yeah, there's much less chance true. of destroying the moment yeah exactly yeah and i've taken the picture and that's that yeah that's a bit of, i think that's the whole philosophy of, of, of film photography it's make or break for a shot because if you shoot on a on a decent or on any analog camera most of the time you don't have the little screen on the back so and I think it's really liberating because it really makes you think about what you're shooting. Tanya, um, you can buy these little sort of film baths that you can do it so you don't need a whole dark room or anything. You can sort of shut the lights off in one room, get the film in the tank, put the chemicals in. But then rather than print it onto paper, just scan yeah. the result. Yeah, I've done, I've done yeah. that before. It's uh, and, and now you've given me something extra to, to fill my days with, which... Uh which is uh yeah going to keep me busy but i think yeah it's a valid point right you can't you can do this all sorry and the smells of course and the smells exactly do you uh do you develop your own film then jacopo are you shooting film right now as well or you just focus completely on digital during this time no i just print i don't have i don't i don't like developing because it's mm, there's a risk you know, if you do something wrong, you've lost your, your film. I just print in a dark room with a small, I don't know, the English name of it. Ingranditore in Italian. So uh, uh, I like to print photos in a dark room, but that, that's all in black and white. Yeah, I mean, that was my first experience of photography was in larger and all that sort of business in a dark utility room when the washing machine wasn't on <laughs> i tried developing shots in a dark room but because my 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 vision is that poorly it was just like standing in like a black room so i couldn't do anything <laughs> so i just bring it always just bring it to a shop or whatever and let them take care of it although i did like the process the things that i could do i really like doing it because it's like with a whole chemical process you have to go through, it's it's super cool to see. Yeah, I do think you've got to be a certain kind of person to enjoy it, though. You've got to have a lot of patience yeah. and a lot of, uh, mm. you know, attention to detail and all the rest of it. And if you haven't got that, if you're a bit of an impatient photographer, uh, that's not quite going to work. It's a very different way of, uh, you know, different mentality to actually want to to actually process and develop your own your own images. 
yeah, there is no there is no preset for analog photography. So well, there are a lot of, uh, a lot of presets let you pretend you did some analog photography later on, aren't there? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Instagram filters, anyone? No, never use those. <laughs> Shall we talk about some of your like other projects before you know before before the this lockdown? Yeah, uh, I've been working on five or six different projects and I really like uh, long-term projects so I really enjoy when when I'm working on something for two years five years or maybe more uh, it means that I have a huge box full of hard drives and things like this and I'm uh, always selecting one shot and to, to create a project but I don't know the last one was about uh, was called uh, out of place because I think we are we developed uh, our society so fast that we actually f forgot how to how humans we are because we are humans after all and sometimes I, I'm really interested in um, big cities okay C cities that have uh, a very fast and massive developing okay I don't know like uh, Istanbul or Beijing or maybe Madrid or Paris and so the contrast between uh, a very old way of living you know and a very modern one that so you, you've been to beijing haven't you that's one of the um collections on your site uh, i think beijing marks an important moment for my development um, because i changed from a, a very poetic uh, black and white photography which is my first project in 2009 uh, sketch splinters in, uh, in English and so I moved to a very straight and crude and color colorful photography maybe influenced by uh, Bruce Guild and Martin Parr and all the biggest photographers of the last century of today so yes, uh, I think I cannot feel very, uh, I, I don't think Beijing is my, represents what I, what I am now. Yeah. I think the last project out of place represents perfectly what I think about the world. It's just interesting that that evolution that you make as a photographer based on projects and where you've traveled and, and things like that. And I wonder how the lockdown might affect your photography going forwards. Do you think it will? Do you think you see things in a different way now? That you're another, I guess, a, a different kind of photographer than you were before lockdown? I think that now I understand that uh, we, can, we can do everything we want in just 200 metres of radius. You know, there's uh, an Italian photographer, uh, Luigi Ghirri. Uh, once he, he, he told, uh, he, 
he told to a journalist, I don't know, I don't remember, that everything you need is at four kilometers radius from your home. And he's right. You can, uh, from your windows, from your rear window, <laughs> you can actually learn more than, than from a, I don't know, a, how I, an eight-hour flight. Isn't that really interesting? Because as a street photographer, you rely, or at least I did anyway, I relied on being able to go out and about, have the freedom to travel wherever I want, you know, around the world, you know, across town, um, you know, just that for me used to be a fundamental aspect of street photography, having the freedom. And now we don't have that freedom, but yet you're able to actually adapt and find things in your own local community that are actually really interesting. I've never shot my streets the way I'm, I'm kind of seeing them now and the way I'm exploring them. And I wouldn't have done that if it wasn't for the lockdown. So I think it's really, really interesting that I think you make a really good point there. And we have evolved because we're suddenly starting to appreciate that you can do the same kind of photography from such a small, basically from one area, just from one spot. Yeah, yeah. Which is very, which is very uh, interesting now because uh, before I, I came back in Italy one year and a an half ago and um, before that, I traveled a lot in Europe. Uh, I took something like 100 flights per year during three years, four years, like something like this, because I had clients in uh, Brussels or in Barcelona, in Dublin, and I was very stressed, okay? And at first, when, it, when I came, came back here in Italy, just in my in my small village, I I was quite upset about about that because you know you, you I was used to a very hyper hyper uh, connected life and now I'm just here <laughs> I'm sitting on a on a chair actually trying to to spy this niche uh, a shooter so. <laughs> This is quite for, for the benefit of the tape, he's got uh, a camera on a tripod pointing out of his window next to us uh, that we can see on the uh, video. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Yeah, okay, no, no, that, that's all. I think, but I think it's very interesting because you know, it, with the lockdown and everything, it's just pulling you back to basics. I think for everyone, not just in in, in photography, but also in like your personal life. I mean, everything is is being being torn down to its core. I mean, friends social interactions and even as Tanya said with street photography and like you said I mean you can do everything within 200 meters of your own house and I think that's a very interesting way of and especially I'm really keen on seeing how it will evolve when we're all allowed to go outside again and how people will behave and how the and especially how the how the storytelling and street photography genre on itself might evolve considering what we've all been through it's going to be fascinating, isn't it? I mean, hmm. I have this theory that everyone in this country will behave like a lunatic and will go out and loot and riot on the first possible day because that is a bad British habit anyway. Hmm. Um, and so I'm just hoping the light's good on that day <laughs> so, I so I can get out and get into a good position with the camera. 
<laughs> so you'll be there ready to document the chaos. I think I think that's a fair point, Adam. I reckon uh, just talking to friends, you know, everyone's saying, can't wait for this to be over. We're going to go out and have a wild party and just, you know, almost undo all the all the stuff we've been doing over, you know, a couple of hours. So, uh, but I, I think it's human nature to adapt quite quickly and adapt behaviours. So although we're saying that now, it will be interesting to see how, how the world will have changed. And I think it, it will have done. So as photographers, I think we're doing something quite interesting right now and capturing a very kind of fluid situation. Now it's changing day to day, even though it feels like time is standing still. Actually, we are day to day changing ourselves quite significantly, I think. And once this is over, um, I think I think we'll have a, a new appreciation for for photography and and what's achievable. You know, I think we've pushed the boundaries quite a bit. Certainly for me, I feel like I've come out of my comfort zone, and I can't now rely on jumping on the tube and going to you know the centre of town and just walking around and speaking to people and you know all the rest of it. So, like you said, Tom, stripping it all back to basics is what we're having to do. And it, you know, we can't, we can do it. If you just look at Jacopo's work, you know, that's a, a testament to that whole kind of stripping it back and just being in one place and, and shooting all these crazy things that are going on around you. I mean, would you ever have thought that you'd be documenting, the, you know, the life of a drug dealer or, you know, someone, or, yeah, the life of an orange or <laughs> shooting someone shooting birds actually with a gun <laughs> you know that this is stuff that uh, i don't know you probably didn't expect to be to be doing no but believe me that some of these things are already in my hard drives uh, for example drug dealers i i think I... they prefer freelance pharmaceutical distribution agents <laughs> <laughs> anyway um i'm this is not the first time. Okay, this is the first time about the shooter, and it's okay. But I already uh, had some some experiences like this, so it's it's not very weird. It's weird that everything is happening just around my home. Yeah, that I mean that's that's what I mean. Obviously, as street photographers, you meet very interesting people out and about. You know, physically on the same level. You know, ground level. But this way you're doing the same thing, but just from a distance um, and yet shooting a very small radius around you. So it's, it's that ability to be able to still notice, observe and capture that in a way that's creative and compelling, which um, is probably something you wouldn't have even possibly have tried to do. But you've been forced into that situation and still been able to, to kind of tick all the boxes in terms of what that photography is like but from confinement, which I think is pretty, pretty special, right? And, and we're seeing it with all the, you know, photographs that we're receiving in the, in the group, you know, people around the world are adapting to this way of uh, being creative, which uh, is again, just an evolution of behavior, I think. A lot of people are also starting to see it as a sort of outlet, because a lot of people who reached out to us lately have been sending us messages like, I'm really happy you guys are doing this because this is exactly what I needed. I always figured like, okay, but you can go shoot 
are by yourself and, and post them on your own Instagram or whatever. But it, I think it's the, the, the unification of that we're bringing it all together. One thing I thought was uh, slightly, you know, um, to be the avaricious one, I was really interested that uh, Jacopo uh, pointed out the, the commercial possibilities of the afterwards. We all keep looking towards the afterwards as if it might ever happen one day. But not only will we all go out and have a crazy day and pass the virus on to as many people as possible, um, but we're also going to be coming into a world where there'll be a large-scale shift, do you think, towards more online business and more object photography and that kind of thing, or lifestyle photography, but actually fewer people being outdoors and having lifestyle. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes sense, but I think that... Thousands of years of habits uh, won't be destroyed by two months or six months or two years of lockdown. I, I think now we are feeling this, this change. We are feeling it in our daily life, but one day it will come back to the same reality. I don't know, maybe not the same. Something will change, but more or less it will be the same reality as as five months ago i guess if we're honest one of the things that's always true is that journalists start writing about how the world will be changed by current events and then the world doesn't change that much all right well it's been good talking um is there anything else anyone wants to bring up before we sort of round out the show anything you want to mention any messages for the world <laughs> stay at home <laughs> Just, uh, stay at wash home. your hands <laughs> uh, yes and don't shoot pigeons <laughs> yes uh, well um thanks very much for joining us you and sharing your um your little corner of the world it really is little corner at the moment isn't it um, <laughs> yes uh, uh, but before we go, is there anything um, or any any way you'd like to direct people to that they can visit you uh, online? Yes, of course. I don't know my Instagram. Okay, so you, uh, your Instagram is Yukapo Rupo, which is at J-A-C-O-P-O underscore R-U-F-O. And there'll be a link to that in the show notes. And from there, you can find his website and his projects. So if you want to find the, the latest information on the... Um, Pigeon Massacre and other events in Italy. Follow the Instagram feed. Uh, in the meantime, if you haven't already, please do follow ours at COVID Street. Um, and we will be back on this podcast in a couple of weeks with another guest and another bit of a, a feel from a different corner of the world. Thank you very much for persevering with us. Uh, talk to you again soon and stay safe. Ciao. Bye. Bye.